thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on High at Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High at Nine News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Monday, December 25th. And today is National Pumpkin Day. I'm not sure why today would be National Pumpkin Day. It's also Alphabet Day. So no letter L's today. That's right. We're not taking no L's on Christmas Day. And that's right. It is also Christmas Day. Everyone's favorite day of the year, especially Matthew St. Germain's. But thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Rumble, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and Instagram. So welcome to everyone joining us from any one of those platforms. And we are going to kick it off with, that's right, the happy elf today. That's right. He is our very own Florida man who's stuck in Northern California who does cannabis real estate. And that's right. He also does cannabis real estate. That's right. And today he thinks he's a top flying jet fighter flying F-15s and zooming around. That's right. It is Mr. Yarrow Kubrin. I, I took that background picture at, uh, uc irvine or riverside so I'm, oh, uh, of course everything I'm everything great comes out of orange county hey it's a bespoke background picture mm -hmm. i took myself i did it myself um you know i mean it's kind of weird for us to be working on on christmas i was thinking um but then i started realizing like santa has to work today so it's really, you know, we should too. And and then I started thinking, you know, maybe Santa would be for like worker protections and, you know, unions and stuff. But then I realized, nope. no, because nope. Santa's elves. all about the monopoly. He only he's hires elves. He only hires elves. Yeah. He he's not for a level playing field at all. He has a height requirement. <laughs> well, in that case, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not getting hired. And then I, I went and checked uh, our kids' stockings because, you know, they've been a little... The behavior has been a little questionable this year. Um, but because we're a green family and we want to save the earth, instead of giving them a lump of coal in their stocking, we gave them a little solar panel. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. <laughs> Even though coal is clean. Uh, it is if you wash it enough times. Okay. In a, in a, in a, 
<laughs> leech bath. Yes, you can clean it, but uh, I don't recommend it. It changes the taste of your meat after you barbecued. So, anyway, let me. Which which of my which of my two do you want me to kick off with? It's up to you, bro. Whatever one you want to do, it's your choice. Great. I'm gonna start with Scott's Miracle Grow. I got lots of commentary. We can go back and forth on this, and I just finish it up with my spicy perspective. But I'm gonna start with Scott's Miracle Grow. Scott's Miracle Grow struggling Hawthorne seeks marijuana M&A deal. Scott's Miracle Grow audacious 1.7 billion foray into the marijuana business over the past decade is a sensitive topic for the father-son team whose family helped build the lawn and garden giant. Scott CEO Jim Hagdorn told MJ Biz Daily that hundreds of layoffs and debt saddling the Ohio company's cannabis subsidiary, Hawthorne Gardening Company, almost took Scott's down. Now, Jim Hagdon and son Chris, who is Hawthorne's general manager, are mapping out a change in strategy for the cannabis cultivation supplies company. The two hopes to transform Hawthorne into a standalone marijuana juggernaut, and they're ready to do some deal-making with potential partners, including other cannabis companies. That's a big change. Chris could have sold Hawthorne to an interested buyer who approached the company's chief operating officer at MJ BizCon in 2022 in Las Vegas. Quote, and my response was, just tell them to go fuck themselves. We're not for sale. Quote, Chris told MJ Biz Daily at this year's conference in November. It was an emotional, it wasn't the right decision. It wasn't a whoops. It's how we felt at the time, cut in Jim, whose father, Horace Hagdorn, launched the original Miracle Girl in 1951, according to the company website. These days, Jim often finishes his own son sentences especially when he says shit like that. Remarks that more often than not are peppered with ex swear words. All the cursing is perhaps understandable. Over the past 18 months, Hawthorne has laid off roughly 1,000 employees. Hawthorne's sales tanked by 40% in the quarter ending July 1st, enough to drive overall sales down by 6% at Scott's. The company spent, <laughs> listen to this, the company sent almost $200 million worth of unsold grow lights to the landfill because no one was buying them and Hawthorne didn't have anywhere to store the inventory. Can, can I just, I'm gonna go, we're gonna dive into that in a second. That's after borrowing around 1.7 billion over the past decade to build Hawthorne with headline grabbing acquisitions of companies such as California based General Hydroponics, which is in Sebastopol, California. Thank you very much. Shout out to Larry. Money woes. This correction almost took Scott down, Jim said. The entire company has suffered. We almost ran out of effing money trying to do this. So at this year's MJ BizCon, the Hagdons and their executive team, Hagdorns and their executive team had a very different attitude towards interested parties, welcoming conversations with potential partners and hoping to relieve Scott of the burden of the cannabis industry, which is still waiting catalysts such as federal marijuana reform. But the Hagdorns aren't looking for an exit. Instead, Jim and Chris plan to saddle Scott with the debt and find other struggling cannabis companies with what they say are unfairly low valuations to form a large company that could compete with big tobacco, alcohol, pharmaceutical companies that choose to enter the marijuana industry, assuming the plant is legalized under federal law. We're being fucking shunned by normal investors, right? That's the entire side of the world, Chris said. If if we'll be left in the dark to our own devices, we'll build something really powerful because the storm will pass. Regulatory form will eventually 
happen. The devil's in the details, but it's not the first time the Hagdorns have banked on legalization. The Hagdorns conceded that they, like many other companies, might have been too aggressive, spending too much under the assumption that federal reform would occur. Thus, they've been protected. Thus far, they protected the company's New York Stock Exchange listing, SMG, by maintaining its ancillary non-plant touching status. Its 2021 investment of $150 million in Toronto-based RIV Capital, which is plant-touching entity with a business license in New York, was through a convertible note that would give Scotts a 42% stake in the company. Jim and Chris said they would similarly be interested in taking a non-controlling portion of a new entity, which could be formed with larger multi-state operators or a group of smaller companies. They're interested in talking with public and private companies, and they believe they have a lot to offer. While MSOs have been too focused on growth, opening retail outlets, and growing facilities, Hawthorne is con concentrating on the science of cultivation practices, something they believe is invaluable to cannabis producers. When you look at what Hawthorne is, what we bring to the table, it's an integrated play going from genetics to cultivation to generate the best quality, best potential quality at the lowest potential cost. Matthew Garth, Scott's chief operating officer, told MJ Biz Daily. I'm going to cut to the chase on this because there's a bit more I could read, but I'd rather focus on the commentary here for a second. So first of all, I remember when Scott's purchased General Hydroponics, and it was definitely a validator for me that the industry was maturing, normalizing, that the scale was global, that the opportunity was larger. And when they bought General Hydroponics, th th that company was here in Sebastopol where I live. And so it, it reminded me of the oversized influence, yet again, of Northern California. They've also made some other interesting acquisitions, and I'm not mad at the guys. But I do have to say one thing. If you throw out $200 million worth of lights, you got way too much money. Like, if there's a leftover half-eaten container of Chinese food that's two days old in my refrigerator, I'm not throwing it out. I'm suck that down. Why would you throw out $200 million worth of lights? Because you couldn't find a place to store it. Have you guys ever heard of cargo containers? And if you're going to throw out $200 million in lights, why don't you do something noble with them? Why don't you give them to an R&D facility? Why don't you send them free of charge to any cultivating company in the United States and just say, here you go, we got you, this one's free. I mean, that's an old cannabis technique. Give the first one free. The fact that they <laughs> threw out $200 million worth of lights is the worst thing I could ever see in this article, but for one other thing. When this guy said to go fuck off, no company should ever be based on the emotions of a family. Not when you're at that scale. They're supposed to be corporate governance. And so when somebody says, hey, I'm interested in selling, you say, talk to my assistant, send me a proposal. I'm busy right now, open to what you have to hear. It, the notion that this younger third generation uh, gentleman would just be full of such hubris, such hubris is, is painful to me. I would like to be so rich that I don't give a fuck, right? But even if you are rich, if you're playing with other people's money or you have a publicly traded company, you're paid to give a fuck. And so it's curious to me, it talks about how the father's always completing the son's sentences. And that's because the son is deep throating his own foot every time he opens his mouth. <laughs> One of the things that he said is, it wasn't a whoops, it's how we felt at the time. 
When do you run a $1.7 billion empire on Felix? <laughs> anyway, this is Yarrow Kubrin, Hyatt 9 News, Christmas Day. I'd like to know what you guys have to think. Maybe maybe Yarrow Hawthorne is trying to boost its ESG score by governing by feelings. <laughs> you know? Look, I'm not mad at these guys. The article goes on to talk about some of the other stuff that they have interests in, that they're not giving up, that they're from Ohio, and that that's a Trump state, and that Ohio just passed recreational. I don't think these guys were wrong in seeing the horizon. But I think, like many of the Canadian companies, this foregone conclusion of federal legalization being right on the horizon has been a massive strategic misstep that we see repeated time and time again. And they're going to need the staying power to realize that inevitability. And it, it, it's a bloodbath. That said, that said, if you throw out $200 million in lights, that's really not a great use of inventory. Give it to social equity cultivators. Give it to Cornell University at their at their agricultural facility. Give it to UC Davis. But don't don't just piss away two hundred million dollars like that. To me, just reeks of privilege, a lack of frugalness, and frankly, bad judgment. I mean, I, I wonder what their shareholders have to say about this, like what they're going to say at their quarterly meeting about throwing away $200 million worth of lights. And I imagine that's not, that's at the wholesale level too, Yarrow, right? That's not even at the retail level. I mean, that just hurts me even more. That is like financial abuse. Like, yeah. there's, there, like there's war crimes, landmines. You know what they should you know what they should have done with these? You know what they you know what they should you know what they should have done with these? They should have offered it as 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 uh, um as part of the settlement agreement with Jungle Boys. They should have just gave them the lights. <laughs> Anything's better than the trash. Man. I wonder if that that's what they thought of these lights if there was a malfunction with them or something so they're like this let's trash them. They don't work as good. It was the on, it was the oncoming wave of LEDs, Jay. Is that what it is? Oh, I could see yeah, that they got, too. They really yeah. so Hawthorne and not knowing the cannabis industry and what was going on really got caught, and you know, kind of thankfully to the uh, benefit of a lot of uh, ancillary friends and acquaintances like General Hydroponics, what happened was they started going in hard in the California two fifteen market and not realizing. Um, what scaling up, what, what legalization in other states, as well as scaling up from legalization in California, was about to do to that market. And right after Hawthorne bought Botanicare and General Hydroponics mm -hmm. and Rootmaker and and on and on and on, uh, within a year of that is when all of these this sea change happened. There was a glut of cannabis. The majority of home, home cultivators went out of business, and then all of a sudden, most of the hydro shops also closed, and so Hawthorne was left in this bag of, of uh, you know, citizen cultivators not being able to afford to do so. And so all of a sudden, all these products for a moment seem almost worthless. And they, they've pivoted hard into legal states and larger agricultural size grows and, and that type of thing. And they're, they're rebounding and they have a, a, a decent LED light. And so they're kind of on the comeback trail. But a lot of people were panicking. So also right when this happened, they threw this away. California Energy Commission was writing their their next five year plan for energy in California, and a lot of people read what they were aiming to do and kind of jumped the gun in thinking that they weren't going to be able to use any HID lights. Mm -hmm. And what they ended up coming up with is, um, first off, it didn't start till twenty twenty three. 
if if more than 10% of anything you uh, anything you're running if more than 10% of it is a new build then you have to use LED lights um you yep. can retrofit with the HIDs in older uh facilities and if you scale small enough you can continue to use HID um but a lot of people just panicked and and dumped their uh, HIDs and went to LEDs yeah so that's probably what they were doing but uh, to Yaro's point you could have given them to a million different uh school facilities or other agricultural facilities that use these lights in greenhouses and you could have probably created a big tax benefit for yourself instead of just throwing away a bunch of uh, uh, these precious minerals into the into the landfills. Yeah, no, no. Plus the goodwill, plus the publicity. I would write it off as an advertising expense. Companies that do the right thing tend to have better results. And companies that have a North Star that's not just about dollars and cents tend to, tend to resonate more with the public. Could and you... so... Could you imagine, Yaro, if you were at MJ Biz and you walked near the Hawthorne booth and they just had said free lights, go take as many as you want. Right. Right. That would have been such a big publicity stunt for them. They would have been like, Hawthorne's giving away free lights. If you come to MJ Biz, you get free lights. Take as many as you can carry. And that would have, if I, so I went to their booth this year. And again, I don't have anything against these guys. I'd love to drink a beer with them. Um, I know Jim. Uh, we could, we could arrange that. I know Jim. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know Larry with General Hydroponic, and 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 he said nothing but nice things about these two gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but imagine the PR of like, yeah, we brought all these lights, we blew it all out, we couldn't help ourselves. Everybody wanted our lights. Yeah, everybody wanted them because they're free, but everybody wanted our lights. Even the noobs to the industry would come home with a couple, you know, well wrapped. <laughs> Light bulbs on their mm-hmm. carry-on, like, hey, careful, careful! That's my, yeah. those are my, that's my swag. Fragile, like, fragile, oh. fragile. Yeah, right. Hey, you, oh, what'd you get from the conference? A couple baseball caps. Yeah. I got some lights. So, just, a, just a, to me, I, and again, we're here with opinions without maybe the full backstory, but that just seems like an egregious waste. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. We, we are going to keep this train rolling. We're going to roll right into a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. All right, I'm gonna roll into uh, I'm gonna roll into my to my story next, and then we're gonna move to Matthew Saint Germain, and we're just gonna maintain that same that same order in the second half of the show, you guys. Okay. All right. Oh man, you guys. So this is a, this is a heartfelt story. I just gotta just give you guys a little trigger warning. Okay. They say she immigrated legally. She married a U.S. citizen, but she was denied citizenship. For working in legal cannabis, you guys. This is out of Politico, and I had the AI summary because it is a pretty long article, and you can read the full, full, full story on our website at www.hyatnightnews.com. Maria Ramers tried to do everything by the book to become a U.S. citizen, but was denied because her work selling state-regulated cannabis was deemed illicit drug trafficking. 
She gets to keep her green card, but her attorney recommended she not visit her family in El Salvador. The federal government still considers cannabis illegal, but states have legalized sales since 2014. Immigrants who work in cannabis industry face a litany of consequences, including denial of citizenship, lifetime bans from lawful permanent residency, and even deportation. While advocates and senators in states where cannabis is legal have asked for help from President Joe Biden, the Department of Homeland Security has not changed how immigration proceedings judge cannabis work, leaving vulnerable workers like Reamers unable to naturalize or secure green cards. A California-based nonprofit said the federal law denying citizenship or lawful permanent residency for legal marijuana work is just an interruption of the law that sets up a start disparity. American citizens are part of a booming industry while immigrants are labeled criminals. Reamers have, uh, Reamers have a sued U.S. citizen U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services over Maria's denial, but the courts has not agreed to hear the case. The federal government is treating the Ramers exactly how current law and policy dictates for anyone who isn't a citizen and the senior and the senior U.S. senators from Oregon and Washington have called for Biden to soften the policies. The Immigrant Legal Resources Center has called on the DHS to exclude legalized cannabis from its definition of illicit drug trafficking to allow more undocumented undocumented immigrants to remain stateside for longer while applying for residency. Legislators pushed back on the memo and introduced a bill that would have undone the policy change, and Senator Wyden and Senator Murray said they want to see immigrants find relief from consequences for their work in state-regulated cannabis. But the status quo has cast likely tens of thousands of immigrants into legal limbo or out of the country. McKee said one of her clients was uh, permanently barred from receiving a green card after disclosing she worked at a cannabis dispensary. The woman had no criminal record and was married to a U.S. citizen. Several attorneys said they discourage clients from applying for green cards if they have cannabis work in their history. And the Reamer's attorney said they uh, face a tough battle in the appeals to the Supreme Court because they need to provide an example of a foreign-born worker in legal cannabis citizenship to show why their denial should be overturned. Even in states that legalize cannabis, this poten- these, the potential ramifications for immigrants aren't widely known, even among state regulators in Colorado. The law requires licensing authorities to warn applicants of the immigration risk, but Washington State has no such information published on its website. The Washington Liquor and Cannabis Control Board alerts new cannabis business owners that uh, state and federal law may differ on gun ownership and banking, and the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission will discuss doing the same. Others feel uh, that doesn't go far enough and want to explore how to establish requirements for all cannabis businesses to provide information to prospective employees about immigration consequences. And the Ramers wish they'd never gotten involved in the industry, but they are considering all their options, including stopping working at the business to gain citizenship. In quote, uh, says, I was hoping I could go visit my grandmother, but I am incapacitated and I can't do much. I can keep paying taxes, they say, though, however. Well, I mean, I, I feel this is just a very, very, very sad story and, and a very stark reality 
of uh, the poor immigration policies in the, of the federal government. And uh, I, I feel for this person because it seems like they've been doing everything in regards to being a good member of society and, and joining the workforce and whatnot, but are being penalized by not being allowed to uh, fully exercise the, their ability to obtain citizenship in the United States due to the fact that they have a legal job in a illegal industry. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. Merry Christmas, you guys. What do you think about this? A cruel irony that you can uh, kill people for the United States and earn a, earn a path to citizenship, but you can't grow a plant that helps people to integrate with their fellow humans easier and mm-hmm. do the same. Very, very true, Matthew St. Germain. Very true. Yarrow, any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, uh, I think about the Statue of Liberty. I think about my family. I think about the fact that my family that didn't make it over here didn't make it. Mm-hmm. There's nobody for us to go visit in Europe because they got killed. And this country welcomes immigrants. And there's no question that we have broken policy. But there is no question that this country, I mean, we could get into the fact that, you know, there were indigenous people and that we did all this stuff. But there's no question that this country is built on the labor, the dreams of immigrants, whether those were the Chinese building the railroads in 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 California, the Irish, you can think about these waves of immigrants and what they've done to contribute to the fabric of this country. And it's a beautiful thing. And for somebody to jump through the hoops and do the right things, not try mm-hmm. to do something clandestine, they're not, you know, and, and to do the right thing and to take a job and to be a productive contributing member of society and to be penalized for that. It's un-American. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I agree, Yaro. Like they, they're, they're going through all the, all the proper channels to do all the right proper things, and the only reason that they're being penalized is because they had a legal job in an illegal industry deemed by the federal government. And, you know, it really boils down to what we talked about a little bit in the article that I covered around this federal legalization and why that keeps continuing to be a horizon event and and it's just another example of how these types of things would be solved they would be non-issues and since we do get partisan here you know Biden has been equally if not more so disappointing than Trump in 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 growing a set and doing something about uh the federal policy against cannabis mm-hmm. and um you know i get that it might not be what his son was holed up in a hotel using but we need that change and we need it yesterday that was and a nice job that was a nice job thank you <laughs> thank you and 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 so we need it yesterday and these are the types of vignettes these personal stories about broken dreams and the failed promise of the united states of america because we don't have federal legalization and it is it's a little embarrassing because there are a lot of other countries that are are much further ahead than us in having uh a lack of patchwork strat uh policies and strategies and 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 we needed this 10 years ago. We needed it five years ago. We needed it 10 months ago. We need it 10 days from now. 
and we keep talking about it and it doesn't seem like it's moving the needle in a way that's tangible. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. It doesn't seem like anything is getting done and neither side is really, um, re- really doing anything to, to, to get it done. And, uh, this, this is just a travesty and, you know, Bi- Biden sent those other 11 people to be with his family, we be with their families, but these people are, are having, having some trouble with that. So it's very disheartening. Any other thoughts on this, Matthew St. Germain, before we move right into your story? Most of the impasse we're, we're seeing in, in in Washington, you know, in my opinion, it, a lot of it's due to the gerrymandering of Congress and Senate races. And the Republicans in, in local states have had con- such uh, tight control for so long of their local um, assemblies and Congresses. They've gerrymandered, which means they've moved districts so that, it, that they break up uh, Democratic or left-leaning voters in such a way that they're distributed equally in these districts that in, nearly ensure a Republican win with lower vote totals. And if we look at the majority of congressional races, Senate races, and the presidential race, Republicans continue to win with the lesser percentage of the vote, which to me in a democracy seems counterintuitive. That also reaches into the fact that we don't have a democracy. We have something between a Republican and empire. We'll do some reading on that. But getting back to that, so, so what we see is that the folks in Congress underrepresent the realities of America because, dude, when I go out, yeah, sure, there are some Christian soldiers who are anti-abortion and pro the Israel war and, like, let's all murder all the gay peoples and the freaks like St. Germain. But most people are middle-of-the-road people who may wish to own guns to protect their family, want to engage in whatever substance use they, they, they wish to if it's not a detriment to their society, go to work want a clean environment so their kids can grow up without some sort of disease that's really due to the environment. And when we look to Congress, that's not what is really being represented. We have the, we have this center, right? Democrats masquerading as the extreme left through a couple of social issues so they can give all of the control and money to pro to public corporations, for-profit corporations. And then we have the Republicans that are these super uptight white nationalist Christian warriors that also want to give all the money to the corporations. And so I think, what we've got is a, a, a log jam or a tsunami of events creating all of this. And what we need to do as human beings to sum this up is get active in local politics. Vote for your city council members. Vote for your, your, your county supervisors. Learn who they are and what they want. Vote for your state representatives because your state representatives determine the maps of election for our national representatives. And I watched in Mendo how a bunch of my friends didn't want to vote because it was bullshit. And the plant number, the plant count went from 99 per card with four plus cards per property to six plants per property. And then people started getting rolled up and arrested and having all their shit taken because they, because politics was a scam. They didn't want to get involved. So get involved in politics locally. That's about it for me on this one. That's right. All politics are local. I am, I'm with you on that and make sure that you register to vote. That's right. Well, it's interesting that you use Mendocino as an example of Failed policy. Mendocino is one of the most beautiful counties in this country. It is absolutely gorgeous, and and there's there's it sings to me. And uh, for me, not is it not only is it where I spent a lot of my formative years, but to me, it represents so much of what uh, cannabis uh, started off as and 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 became, especially during uh, the two fifteen or medical era. Uh, and Mendocino is a case study of how to decimate an industry and um, create an extinction event 
where a lot of the knowledge, a lot of the talent, a lot of the people um, were forced to adapt, move on, give up. Um, Mendocino has done a, an extra superb job of shitting the bed. And, um, and for such an important region, it would be, I guess, the equivalent of the Champagne region in France deciding to ban grapes. I mean, it's just, we will look back on some of this 15, 20, 50 years from now and face <laughs> palm to forehead won't be enough to summarize just how disastrous uh, these policy missteps have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just just before before we move on, Democrats gerrymander too. So so it does happen on on both sides. And um, in regards with the ninety nine plant uh, number, Matthew Saint Germain, um, that that wasn't necessarily part of Prop two fifteen or what was allowed. It was basically, no no it was Mendocino J. No 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 Mendocino but, had ninety nine. Hear me out. They had yep. ninety nine plants per card or plus cards per property. And then Measure B came, I think it was 2008, I might be a year or two off, I think it was 2008, maybe nine, Measure B came, it was a local Mendocino County measure, and it it won by maybe 250 votes. The reason I reference this is because Mm -hmm. all of my friends who were dope-growing freaks up in Mendo and or, you know, ancillary to the industry, when I asked them if they were voting, would tell me that that politics was bullshit, and I was trying to get people to vote, and I voted, and I voted Mm -hmm. in that local election. We lost Measure B by 250 votes, approximately. Again, I could be off on the votes. I've been smoking a bunch of weed since about 7 in the morning getting ready for that. Yeah. The point being, we lost by a realistic number in a county that has a, a under you know a couple hundred thousand, maybe a couple hundred thousand people total in the county. And, and had Measure B lost, there would have been a lot of, of, of dominoes falling from that moment. But instead, Measure B won. A more right-wing uh, DA was elected. And all of a sudden, the people were getting busted for having 20 plants, and they were getting their kids taken away for a week at a time. I have friends who had under 25 plants, who maybe a couple had eight or 10 plants for two people, and they got arrested, and they got their shit taken, and they got their kids taken away for a week to two by CPS. And it was a direct result of people I know not being politically active locally. And so... That is why I use it as an example, not because of the state. The state's laws and the county laws, they're nebulous. They work together in weird fucking ways. This was a moment in time where Mendocino was on the ascendancy. Businesses were opening. The culture was really flourishing because of the uh, amount of of money that was being kept in the community. And the board of supervisors combined with the lack of the polity voting crashed the entire thing, crashed all of Mendocino. And, And I was there to see it. Wow. Wow. Well, th- th- that, Merry that, Christmas. Yes. That, that, that 99 plant though number, though, uh, Matthew, origi- originated from federal policy where if you had mm-hmm. were caught with over 99 plants, then you were subject to federal uh, prosecution as opposed to if you were caught with 99 or below, then it was just strictly a state charge. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. But there was a Mendocino County policy. Yep. I didn't. I didn't remember that part. Yeah. So that's that. that that's you live in L.A., bro. I still. I. I know plenty of people <laughs> up there. Plenty of people up there. And, and yeah. Well, and I, back I then I was in the Bay it, Area. Jason. I lived through it. I watched my friends getting busted and their kids getting taken away. Uh, uh, one of the reasons I moved to Sonoma was I was confronted twice by by upstanding citizens in the parking lot of Freedmans in Ukiah when I was with my son who was three and a half at the time, and and they were trying to engage in a fight with me because I fit the profile of a weed grower. 
And, and so, I mean, you do you fit live the through profile. It, you do vivid. fit the profile, especially with that hat on. Just <laughs> what are you saying. talking about, Just bro? saying. Well, coming up next, we have the Count himself, the immortal man that has been walking the planet for thousands upon thousands of years. That's right. And he has his happy cap on, his thinking cap. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Matthew St. Germain. Thank you, brother J- uh, Jason. Uh, Yarrow, great to see you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy other holidays if you, if you celebrate them. And I have a really interesting, interesting story. So there is a California psychedelics ballot measure that could undermine marijuana taxes, possibly, according to some state officials. California Legislative Analyst Office released its review this week of a prospective ballot initiative to legalize psychedelics, outlining not only the plan's policy implications, but also its potential fiscal impacts on the state, which the report calls various and uncertain. Measure which proponents submitted the final language for earlier this month would allow adults to legally grow, possess, and use substances like psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, DMT, ibogaine, and mescaline. And who doesn't want to grow an MDMA tree for Christmas? Person would need a healthcare practitioner's recommendation to purchase psychedelics at a regulated store. As filed, the so-called Psychedelic Wellness and Healing Initiative of 2024 refers to entheogenic plants and substances, and it includes cannabis among them. The approach said could uh, the LAO said could cost hundreds of millions of dollars in potential tax revenue in the following way. Apparently, cannabis companies could shift from the existing legal cannabis market to a new market created by the measure. It could result in the net reduction of hundreds of millions of dollars in cannabis tax related revenue. However, the LAO LAO said if there's not such a shift, measure would then result in a net increase in tax revenue of millions of dollars. So basically what could happen if, is if a number of large cannabis businesses choose to become entheogenic businesses, and this measure is legally interpreted and implemented in a way that continues to require the current level of regulation for these businesses while limiting the regulatory fees agencies can charge, to the extent this fees, uh, these revenues would all of a sudden not become sufficient to fully support the cost of regulating the business. And the, the, the thing we go at it, I'm fucking high, bro. But basically, <laughs> cannabis businesses, it's changed to entheogenic businesses. Entheogenic businesses are covered under this law. And entheogenic businesses, um, the government's ability to tax them is severely restricted. So we could literally have recreational cannabis and entheogenic cannabis and and a whole nother lane to just continue continue confusing this entire reality even more um are you are you telling me legal... are, 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 you te- are you telling me that my cannabis company should identify as an entheogenic company if you grow good weed you should bro if you grow that weed that gets people high for real yes oh boy um now jay and and Yaro, here are some of the other changes that are going to be made are made under this proposed psychedelic wellness and healing initiative get ready Simple use and possession of psychedelics at a person's home would be declared lawful. Fuck. Yes. This change would apply to all hallucinogenic substances as identified under California law. The list that includes DMT, woohoo, ibogaine, LSD, mescaline, psilocybin, psilocin, and MDMA. Adults could possess as much entheogenic substances as is needed for one's own annual personal use. And boy, some of us use a lot of them annually. Cultivation on private property of psychedelic plants and fungi would be legal, provided it's done out of public view and with consent of the owner. Beginning on January 1st, 
2025, any entheogenic business could begin cultivation, manufacture, or wholesale distribution of psychedelics provided it operates on land zoned for commercial ag and approved by the CDFA. Beginning on that same time, any incorporated business in California with a seller's permit could begin sales of psychedelic products to qualified patients or their designated caregivers. It just goes on and on and on with really cool things that could happen if this bill passes. So again, if you're in California and you're watching the Hyatt Nine News, <coughs> oh, and get active. Tell your friends, write your congresspersons and senators, write Gavin Newsom. Let's create an avalanche of support for this and help cannabis companies get out from under the yoke of all these ridiculous taxes, but also help all of us to pursue the freedom of our own consciousness in our homes in peace in California. What do you guys think, Yarrow and Jason? What What is this initiative going to be called? Does it have a name yet? Psychedelic Wellness and Healing Initiative, my friend. Psychedelic Wellness and Healing Initiative. Oh, man, I, I think I, I would vote yes for this. I'm going to vote yes. It's not going to be up for a California vote, so the way we can influence the vote is to write and call our congresspeople and senators and Gavin Newsom. So then it wouldn't necessarily be a ballot initiative. This is be a bill no. that would be introduced into the General Assembly is what you're telling me. Correct, yeah. I have some thoughts. Yes, sir. <laughs> Go for it, y'all. First of all, uh, the cost of standing up regulated production facilities for cannabis has been incredibly burdensome. And to provide an option or optionality uh, to allow those expensive facilities to tap into the emerging psychedelic markets, um, I think is uh, a business-friendly approach, and I and I welcome that. Um, there there is an argument that because of what's happened, at least here in California, certainly we have maybe some more production facilities than we need. Uh, for regulated cannabis, whether that's extraction, manufacturing, indoor cultivation. And so if some of those could be repurposed, I like that a lot. I think it's business friendly. Secondly, the parent in me goes, well, wait a second. If you're growing those plants in your backyard, my kid could get hurt. But you know what? Here's the truth. There are so many toxic plants out there right now that are being grown as ornamentals but that's actually a false argument. And there are a lot of dangerous plants out there that are just, you know, people are planting them as, as oh, look at the pretty flowers. And so I think this is uh, a, a big step in the right direction. And um, I'm not exactly sure how much of the manufacturing infrastructure would cross over for certain production, you know, for certain products. Uh, but to create that flexibility, I think would be huge. They would, uh, according to the to the bill, have to be grown out of public view. So there wouldn't be there. Would, you couldn't grow them in your front yard. You couldn't grow them in, in your living yeah. room. Yeah, so, yeah, but, but mushrooms, are, mushrooms are short. Mushrooms are short. So as long as you had a fence, that necessarily wouldn't be in public view. That's and, true. And, and and the truth is, no matter where you plant it, I can see it all with my third eye. <laughs> oh man that's that was cute you know what 
you know what? We're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep the train moving. We're gonna we're gonna roll right into a commercial, and we're gonna be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures, and. With the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. And we're back. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed already. And all the articles that we read on today's show, you can see on our website at www.highatnightnews.com. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport, or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah, you know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke, because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Oh, and we're back. Yes, that's right. Are you are you ready, Yaro? Well, I'm having some flicker issues. You're having some flicker. All right, I think it's pretty cool, bro. All right, I'm. I'm, I'm, I say go with it. I mean, he's says the psychedelic maestro. Exactly. Throw up an epilepsy warning, real quick, you guys. (laughs) Oh man. Oh man, Yara, while you get your get your thing together, I'm gonna read uh read, read this next story real quick, and then we'll we'll go to you or Matthew. I'll let you guys pick whichever one of you guys wants to go next. But there's a holiday high, you guys. That's right. Tracking end of year cannabis sales in Maine, Rhode Island, and Colorado. That's right. Maine's record cannabis sales in Maine has set a new record in cannabis sales, reflecting an industry that is not just budding but blooming they say in 2023 maine's cannabis retailers sold over 140 million dollars worth of products a significant leap from the previous year's sales rhode island's uh, progressive market in november of 2023 they say rhode island uh, reported sales of over 9.1 million dollars and the breakdown of these sales include 3.5 million in adult use sales and 5.6 million in medical sales showcasing the diverse consumer base in the state in rhode island november sales of pre-packaged buds led the way with 5.4 million dollars while edibles and pre-rolls followed with 1.2 million and 1.5 million respectively and of course that's right the booth capital of the world canada canadians markets and back in october of 2023 the canadian adult use cannabis market saw sales of in canadian dollars 448.6 million dollars indicating not just a slight uptick from the previous month but also a substantial 15 percent year-over-year growth ontario led canada uh, canadian provinces in cannabis sales with one in canadian dollars one 
$1,677.7 million, a slight 1% increase from September. And Alberta followed with Canadian dollars, $76.4 million, maintaining similar levels to the previous month. And British Columbia was close behind with a Canadian dollars valuation of $70.9 million. On the lower end, uh, Yukon reported uh, a 1.1 million do- Canadian dollars in sales, maintaining a steady pace compared to other regions reported by MJ Biz Daily. I can't believe people are spending all these millions on all this Boof product, but nonetheless, what do you guys think about this? And how, who is getting their stocking stuffer stuffed with this cannabis? I think you're on. Did you mute yourself, Yaro? Yara, Mark Yara, you're on mute. You got, you got to hit unmute. There you go. There we go. No thoughts? No one cares about the money, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that story about, Jason? That was just about some money, bro. It was just about the money. It was just some, some numbers. It was just some numbers. It was a small news story. It just came out today. You know, a little holiday cheer, a little economic bliss. Oh, money. Come on, you guys. Can we just get over it already? Bro, I mean, you know, every time we hear these positive economic results uh, in regulated cannabis, uh, I'm not surprised. It doesn't surprise me. It just continues to validate um, people like marijuana. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'll tell you about money. We want to send a big Merry Christmas and a big thank you to Ingrid Fay who sent with a super chat of $5. Cheers to y'all for being here today. So thank you so much, Ingrid. We appreciate that very, very much. But Yara, what, what do you think about this? So so Maine sales, of course, we know Maine has good weed. Okay, so their numbers are up. So that makes sense. But Rhode Island, they had more sales in medical than they did in adult use. I think that's the only I state guess- I've ever seen that ever happen in. My guess would be that there's a, a, and and this is a guess, but it's with a capital G. Uh, My guess is that there's a very different tax structure and that there's still an incentive for people to jump through the hoops to access medical cannabis at a much lower tax structure. That's very possible. That's what it is. It's very, very possible. Very possible. All right. That story was kind of, you know what I'm saying, here or there. Whichever one of you guys want to go first. I'll let you guys choose. Uh, oh, please go ahead. I'm going to finish it up with a very subversive story. Oh yes, that's right. right. Oh yeah, here Dangerous. we go. Oh yes, a, a Christmas story wanna, by Matthew Saint Germain. Yeah, no. If you want to close us out with the final act, no, no. I'm happy to take yeah, take go. this next story here. So, uh, okay, my next story here is drum roll. More bullshit. More politics. Ah. Uh, Vice President Harris, Colorado governor, and other top officials cheer Biden's expanded marijuana pardon. If I throw up in my own mouth reading this, you'll understand why. President Joe Biden's newly expanded marijuana pardon proclamation is getting praise from top officials, including the people he hired, (laughs) Vice President Kamala Harris, with supporters cheering the clemency action as another step in the right direction. The president and the last, the latest mass pardon, which covers people who've committed cannabis 
uh, federal cannabis possession offenses and also provides relief for the first time for those who possess marijuana on federal properties on Friday. This comes about a year after Biden issued an initial mass cannabis pardon and directed an administrative review into marijuana scheduling. While some advocates have been critical of the limited reform, <laughs> limited reform, <laughs> imploring Biden to vocally support efforts to actually end what he's described as the country's failed approach to marijuana, the new proclamation is still being touted as meaningful, <laughs> if incremental, examples of the president's commitment to repairing the harms on, of criminalization. Bullshit. The pardon will help thousands of people by making it easier for them to find a job, buy a home, and get an education, the vice president said in a statement following the announcement. President Biden and I have been clear. We must continue to change our nation's approach to marijuana and reform the criminal justice system. As I've declared many times before, no one should be imprisoned simply for smoking weed, Harris said, joining Biden in a call for governors to follow suit with state-level cannabis relief. President Biden and I will continue to work to address historic inequities and racial disparities in federal drug policy and sentencing to make sure that our justice system truly lives up to its name, she said. <laughs> Here's how other officials, lawmakers, advocates, and others are reacting to the president's pardon. And there's a list of them, and every single one of them is just rah-rah cheerleaders, and every single one of them are Democrats. But I'm going to read a couple of them, okay? Representative Adam Schiff who I, I, I like, but allow me to just uh, read off his bootlicking statements. Mm -hmm. The president's actions will help reduce barriers to employment, housing, and education, Schiff said. This is an important step towards decriminalizing marijuana nationwide. Katie Porter, who brilliantly took down banking uh, executives in some public hearings, our nation's so-called war on drugs has ruined enough lives and hollowed out entire communities, Porter said. Glad to see this welcome step from President Biden making pardons possible for thousands of people convicted of use and simple possession of marijuana. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'll give you one more. Chuck Schumer, the majority leader who sponsored legalization legislation, called the pardon a good step. I will continue working in the Senate to end the federal prohibition on cannabis and make criminal justice reforms, he said. So it, this article goes on and on and on and on and on. And every single one of these people is just lips around his tuchus. And so here's what's really challenging for me. First of all, let's be really, really, really clear. This country was long overdue for a black woman, vice president or president. And Harris was the worst choice that he could have made if he wanted to have a really purposeful black female vice president, there'd be Stacey Abrams in that chair, not Harris. And for those of us who grew up in the area where Harris cut her teeth as a politician. She benefited greatly from cronyism and is not self-made, not a meritocracy, and was terrible in San Francisco. Absolutely terrible. So here we are. We've got this Democratic president a year later 
who has a drip campaign of incremental things that affect a couple thousand people, doesn't really move the needle, creates press releases, creates topics, fills up the news cycle, gives everybody in that party the opportunity to applaud and celebrate and blah, 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 but really does very little, very little for, for a very small number of people. And so here we are nibbling around the edges of big issues. Nothing bold, nothing courageous, nothing forward thinking. Incrementalism, too little, too late, with zero accelerated pace for true progress. This is Yaro Kubrin, High at Nine News. What do you guys think? Oh, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll my, my favorite part was, was you talking trash about the democrats <laughs> agreed that that was that was my favorite part of this whole thing and i'm glad that matthew matthew agrees on, on this too um but yeah now this is this is just painful and the fact that they are touting this um as as like this major major accomplishment and granted i am i don't want to lift it look a gift horse in the mouth because i'm thankful for anyone that gets to come home with their families that is a victim of the drug war so i'm all in support of that but the 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 amount of showboating Okay, I, I feel like I feel like that we're at the uh, at the boat parade on Lido Island right now. It, it's it, it's insulting to those of us who have more than three IQ points. It's insulting to us that understand the gravity of the real problems and and realize how um, modest these mm -hmm. efforts are. And it's insulting that we are cluttering the news cycle with everybody just congratulating Biden on doing very little. And the fact that it was one year from the last time he did this thing, you don't need a year. You don't need a year for these things. You come up with policy, you move fast. They say that the first 100-plus days in a presidency is where presidents get the most mm -hmm. done. Yep. And Biden has taken these reforms and treated them like a drip campaign for PR so that he can ride the headlines instead of the outcomes. And it's insulting to those of us who studied public policy or that have half a brain. Mm -hmm. And so why, why, why insult us? And so I, I just, it's deeply disappointing. And, 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 and again, he had the worst choice of vice president that she's one breath away from the presidency is terrifying. I've followed her career since she was a DA in San Francisco and she cut her teeth uh, on the dog mauling case. Uh, but but she's not self-made. She came up under Willie Brown. All no, she, no, 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 no. She, she, she was not part of the dog mauling case. She had nothing to do with that. That was under Terrence Hallinan's administration. And she that was uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle and uh, Jim Hammer who prosecuted that case. No, no, there was this dog case, not where the somebody mauled the dogs, but where these dogs that were owned by these bikers bit somebody's face. No, off. that's the same she, one. That's the same one. She was not part sure of that. About that. She, she, I, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee it, hundred percent. Don't fact check me when I'm under the weather. It's all right. I, it's all right. I'm just <laughs> let me let, let me tell you. Let me let me tell you. Let me let me tell you. Committed how, to my own rightness. Let me tell you how the vice president really really got elected. Just because because you were hundred percent right about that. Um, in regards with the Willie Brown part, you're all about that. And she was part of the Willie Brown machine. And I'm not going to go in and slander anybody or anything today because it's Christmas, you guys. Well, but I would, nonetheless, Stacey Abrams, 
vice president. Oh no, I wouldn't put Stacey Abrams there. I, you know who I thought who I thought he should have done is um uh, that that one lady from Florida. Uh, um, oh man, I'm forgetting her name. But uh, she, Oprah Winfrey. No, no, no. She she reminded she 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 she's a congresswoman um uh from 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 Florida. Uh, she's former member of law enforcement, and like honestly, it was the same thing. It was either you're getting Kamala Harris from the West, or you're getting the lady from Florida, um, and they're both from law enforcement. Da 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 da, and you were getting the same thing no matter which one he chose. I, I believe her name was oh. Valerie, Valerie, but I'm forgetting the last name. I wonder if she'll be the vice president if when he runs again. And whether I'm gonna be stuck. Oh, with she's more. She's, she's for sure because she's like, yeah, go Joe, GI Joe. She's uh, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You might vote red for the first time, Yaro. Meritocracy. You 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 might vote red for the first time, Yaro. You just might. Uh, RFK Jr. RFK Jr. You guys, he wants yeah. to legalize drugs. He wants to close down the overseas expeditionary military force. He wants to spend American money on Americans. I am not mad at those agenda items as listed. All right. All yeah, right. In the chat, people are saying this is so true. Uh, Kamala Harris went on, on a, uh, was it Funkmaster Flex or was the other? Oh, yeah. No, she, was, she went on the wake-up show. She went on the, the wake-up wake up show, show saying that. Laughing about how she smoked weed to Tupac in college. But, that, the, but if, you do the college. if you do the timeline, if you do the timeline, she was in, she was in college before Tupac even came out. So that's well, a total she lie. On that, she was in college smoking weed, and she got out of college, went to San Francisco. I don't buy and that. Started imprisoning my friends. I don't my friends. I, I, I don't believe for a second that she smoked weed in college. I don't believe that for a second. I don't. I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that she smoked weed for a second. I think she was totally lying about all that. That's a total made-up story. And if you look at the timelines when Tupac first came out and the songs that she's talking about, she was not in college back then. Stop all right, cap. That's that's all total BS. All right, and just placating, placating to to left-wing voters that aren't aren't thinking about anything. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna vote red. But as I've gotten older, I've started to see the malfeasance on both sides of the fence in a way that I think is a a, a wider viewpoint. And, uh, you know, most of us, our politics is based on our parents' perspectives. We inherit most of our political views. That's just, that's just the majority. Mm -hmm. um, I think as I've gotten older, uh, my views have shifted. But I think the Democratic Party has also shifted. Uh, and I just, I just, I keep waiting for the Democratic Party to find its balls, and it, it doesn't seem like it has them. It's the party of eunuchs. Yep, they're they're too busy cutting them off now. Well, the Democratic Party is not the left. The, the folks on the left have no actual option for electability. The Democratic Party is the center right, pro corporate, pro war party, and they they use a couple of identity. Yeah, identity politics issues to masquerade as if they were leftist, shape or form, but they're not. Mm -hmm. They were from if they were representing the left, they would be pro free healthcare, anti war, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and Bernie, Bernie and Warren would have run, and Hillary wouldn't have run, and you know, Barack wouldn't have been the most hawkish drone striking president in the history of 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 the country, and 
You're absolutely right. The greatest, the great, you know, what was that movie? The greatest thing the devil ever did was convince you he didn't exist. Kaiser Sose, like the greatest oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines. The greatest yeah. thing the Democratic Party has ever done is convinced anybody that they have any progressive essence anymore. You know what, Yarrow? I'm going to make that a soundbite because I'm 100% in agreement with that. Look at that. Oh, man. Yes. Let's uh, let, let's not go down the tangent. We Matthew St. Germain has a Christmas story for us to wrap up with uh, t- today's show. And he, oh man, he's gonna he's got some images and some fun stuff for you guys. Oh boy, I hope you get ready for this, Yarl. And let's let's leave both uh, those two wings of that same shitbird and spark up a Yule log with me. Oh yes, light them if you got them. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy whatever, fa- Happy Merry Festivus for the rest of us. Smoke weed every day. But what I have today is a story about. The origins of Santa Claus and the Roman church and how we got where we are today and where we need to go. And there we are. Gaze upon the screen, my friends. Oh, what's going on? Oh, give me a second, you guys. I'm high and I turned off my green screen. Oh, it's got to go back on. There we go. There we go. Yay. There we go. What we have today is a story about astrotheology and shamanism. What is that? Astrotheology is the original human religion that uses the stars, the sun, the moon, and the rotation of our earth to place us in the fractal center of the cosmos where the center is everywhere and the center is both within and without us. Shamanism is also known as curanderismo. Oh, my, my, my shit's getting... Don't look at that. Don't look at that. Okay, there we go. Uh, shamanism is also known as curanderismo, and there's other terms for it that uh, were used by the Europeans that have been extinguished due to the Romans and then the Roman Catholic Church. It basically means midwifery and healing people with our original pharmaceuticals, plants. Plants were the original pharmaceuticals. They still can heal you today with far less side effects. What the drug companies like to do is isolate one active ingredient from pharmaceuticals, patent it, and sell it to you for millions of dollars. So these, those are two books you can get that can dive deeper into this. What we're talking about today is Santa Claus being a Siberian mushroom shaman. Uh, what you see here is actually the gathering of the Santas. And for those of you that didn't know, this happens every winter solstice in Siberia, where the various tribal Santas gather to uh, say prayers and wish everybody, uh, give everybody wishes and, and blessings for a happy new year. And uh, if we think back to Santa Claus, our Santa, you can see which one he looks like, right? He's that red guy with the white tip on his hat. His color coordination looks a lot like my hat, and there's a bit of a reason. Oh, my shit's out of order. Okay, here we go. There we go. Santa. Santa, a fat red and white man with a white dot on his head. Hmm. Walking around with reindeer, flying around with reindeer, entering through chimneys, et cetera, et cetera. Why? We have the Amanita muscaria mushroom, the, the reindeer, and the Siberian and Finnic cultures that were allied with this animal. It gave them food. It, gave, it covered their houses. It kept them warm in the winter time. It pulled and gave them transportation for hunting and otherwise. And there was a link between the, the shamans, uh, the people, the mushroom, and the reindeer. So this is an actual Siberian shaman, Kirin Derismo, uh, and she is com- com- talking with and communing with the Amanita Muscaria psychedelic mushrooms. As you can see, she's got a tunic 
It features the red flesh with the white dots. Uh, these folks, it used to be not everybody would take psychedelics. You'd have a weirdo or two in your tribe. They would live on the edge of the tribe. They would take the psychedelics. They would usually learn an apprenticeship from a mentor about the different plants that could both hurt and heal everyone in the community from the surrounding area, and they would guide the tribe. And when someone would get sick, they would sit with them. The shaman would usually do the psychedelic mushrooms, except for a couple of group rituals yearly, and determine what was wrong with the person in the path to healing. Why are presents under pine trees? Why, are, why is the Christmas tree the Christmas tree? Why are presents under pine trees? The Amanita muscaria mushrooms are saprophytic. They grow on dead wood, and specifically, they grow on the roots and dead roots of pine trees in Siberia primarily. Now, they are in other places of the world. There are other species, but for, for our purposes, we're focusing right here. So the reason the Christmas tree is a pine tree is because there's mushrooms growing under it. These mushrooms magically appear like presents in the morning from the dew and are gone oftentimes within a day or two. You can see them right there at the base of the tree, right? Now, mushrooms are about 98% water, and a reason for decorating the tree, you know how people do that with popcorn and different things, is these shamans would be, would be out, and they'd have to harvest mushrooms and bring them back. Now, if they're 98% water, the best thing they could do is dry out these mushrooms while they harvest more, and so they would pierce the mushrooms on a string, and they would weave this string throughout the lower branches of the trees, they would leave these mushrooms here to dry, and then they would go harvest more. And once they had all these dried mushrooms, they could take a bunch more back to the village to enjoy with everybody for the yearly winter ceremony, which gets me to the chimney. Why does Santa come through the chimney? Because these Siberian people live in yurts or gurs. That's this thing right here. Boom. It's a circular house that's easily taken down, and they put it on the reindeer, and they truck it around because they, they move. They're still uh, migrational. They move with different resources depending on the time of year. In the wintertime, the snow would be up to this level oftentimes. Boom, up to the level of the top of the house, and Santa or the shaman would have to come down through the smoke hole with the presents or the mushrooms to help the families in the tribe get through these moments of the darkest days of winter where the sun may not even come out for, for months or more. Getting back, my expertly prepared slideshow. Boom, here's just a great slide, and this, this displays the tie of the people and the mushroom. Now, why did the reindeer fly, and why the reindeer with a shaman? First and foremost, reindeer, foxes, bears, and other animals are attracted to eating these mushrooms for their intoxicating qualities, and they have all been photographed and witnessed eating these mushrooms and being visibly intoxicated after, after ingesting them. So the reindeers would ingest them, and somehow, people are freaky and didn't have TV, uh, folks realized that the active ingredients in the Amanita muscaria mushroom, primarily muscimol, would pass through the urine of a mammal, and any toxic effects, like sometimes they would hurt your tummy or make you dizzy, etc., any of these toxic effects would be mitigated by the reindeer eating the mushroom and then drinking the reindeer pee. So the reason the reindeer fly is flying is because they're their highest balls. And the whole reindeer drinking pee thing, you know, no judgment, but I'm not going there. There's easier ways to do mushrooms. Um, there's right there. There's a reindeer curious in a mushroom. Boom. And now art has featured mushrooms, elves, Santa, and reindeer going back throughout Christian history right up till about the 50s and 60s. There was a hard switch where all of a sudden Santa was invented by Coca-Cola. No. And, and a lot of the mushroom stuff disappeared until recently. Now, why? Because the Roman Empire and then the Roman Catholic Church set about on a practice of de-indigenization of the European indigenous population, taking away the drum, the tattoo, shaman curanderismo, the ties to the land, the native languages, 
or the purposes of colonialization and control, resource control, and class stratification. So the, the ties to healing psychedelic and other plants were taken away from the European cultures. Mushrooms were then associated with demons and cast as, as toxic to the majority of the Western European population in an attempt to control the minds uh, and bodies and the, the, the territory of said populations. In, in the 50s, when the mushrooms began to get popular through Life Magazine and Timothy Leary and Ram Dass and all of these different, Aldous Huxley, all of these different cultural touch points, all of a sudden the mushrooms disappeared and it became all about Santa was invented by Coca-Cola because the CIA and bankers and these foundations and, and high-level intellectuals and politicians first got into these and were really turned on by the, by the accelerative intellectual abilities of psychedelics, but they were very scared about the entheogenic properties, the part of putting God in your heart and in your mind and, and showing us our connections to our ecosystem and each other and that we're all a family in a, in a great galactic web of love and conscious energy. And so they began to expunge all uh, uh, evidence as much as they could of any psychedelic ties to Christmas and to these festivals in, in order to continue to hide psychedelics and entheogenics from us. But the good news is, they did not win. The mushroom is back in art. Santa is psychedelic as fuck again. People are realizing that we are all one human family. We need to protect our, our life support system, which is the ecology, the trees and the plants and the animals of this earth so that we can continue to explore space in peace and become a galactic and then universal civilization. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take those five dry grams of mushrooms that I taped below your seat last night while you were asleep. And we're going to start eating these together in the spirit of love, communion, human joy, and family. Santa was a mushroom. The reindeer were high. Jason and Yarrow, take it away. Oh, my goodness. And that's what make reindeers fly is mushrooms. Damn, son. Man. Merry Christmas. Wow. Talk about some ho-ho-hoing going on. You know, I really appreciated the way you summarized this. Not a lot of this was new information to me, but that's because my dad is a historian who's focused a lot on uh, some of these elements, this uh, gutting of the pagan and indigenous uh, underpinnings, uh, as well as this interaction between uh, psychedelics and, 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 and communities. Uh, what I thought was really cool was as I was looking at that picture of all of those different Santas, it started blowing my Santa mind. It reminded me of one of those uh, pimp contests where like <laughs> green crocodile leather shoes. Yeah, Bishop Don Magic like, Wand. Yeah, yeah, young Don Wong. And, 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 and uh, I, I also um, thought it was really interesting uh, that that there has been a consistent attempt, not just in the United States and not just in the last hundred years, to disconnect people from that which causes them to step outside the box and be free thinkers. And and that, you know, we, we talked a little bit about what's America, uh, you know, what embodies uh, America. Uh, and we talked a little bit about uh, compliant immigration being one of the most American things it just foundational to this country. And I would like to think that this country still represents an opportunity for free thinking, for thinking outside the box, for shedding conventional norms and, and 
And so there has clearly been an attempt to keep us busy, keep us with our heads down, keep us glued to whatever sedates us, and to prevent people from having the opportunity to step outside the box and have the, have the opportunity to just connect on different levels. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. You're here. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very much so, Yara. I'm with you. And at the same time, too, you know, I mean, what else is going to make you think that reindeer fly other than being high on mushrooms? You know what I mean? It, it, the other thing that I thought was really interesting that you talked about is this connection between religion and the Earth's uh, position in the solar system. And if we go back from the Egyptians and the placement of the pyramids to the Mayans and their invention of the concept of zero, uh, we can look across the world to many ancient eras, and there is this deep connection and understanding of where we were located, not just geographically, but where the world was located cosmically or celestially, and we've lost a lot of those skills. There was an era where mm-hmm. people could navigate by the stars. Yep. Now, if you don't have GPS, you probably can't make it to Taco Bell. Well, at the and same, so there was a lot less. There was a lot less smog, so a lot more people got to see the stars too. Yarrow, I believe. Yep. But there You're was hundred percent right. The the first thing that native ancient cultures pre Abrahamic religion would do when they would settle somewhere new is build a stone calendar. It would put the biggest stones they could and align them to the winter, summer solstice, the equinoxes, the yep. rising and setting of the sun and the moon at these times, because it would locate them in space time as to their connection and where precisely they were, as well as help them with time to harvest, time to hunt, time to move. And, and one of the first things that the Roman Catholic Church did in its de-indigenization was sever our ties for the earth. Not, if we, if we look at the, the, the message from Genesis, it is that God created the earth for man to dominate and use at his pleasure. It replaced the story that is the true story, which is we are, lives, we are daughters and sons of this planetary ecological web. And our job is as stewards not fuck it up and to hopefully make it a little bit better than we got it for the next generations because if we all move the needle just one degree in a better in a better direction eventually we're going to be living in a golden age in a paradise on earth however someone who is connected to the earth in an ecological web and knows the true galactic time scale is far less subject to fear and far harder to control and therefore the first thing to do is to separate people from their location in space time and their connection to the to the universe the next thing to do is to insert a meme of sexual shame and suppression by telling you you can't touch yourself you have to deny your very basic needs and god is going to torture you in hell forever for seeking the pleasure that he wired your body to go towards and be capable of and i could go on at length but i just want to say i agree though with you yarrow Take. I mean that that greater context is is what's been uh, taken away, and it, it, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting at best. It's 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 frankly it it's sad, but that relationship between us and the rest of the cosmos is something that um, you don't hear much about these days, do we? Right? No. Nope. There's no stone hedges. There's no pyramids. There's no people acclimating or building their lives around that cycle the solstice the equinox i mean as an agrarian society 
Um, and this is, I'm going to tie this back to cannabis as an agrarian society. Uh, many, many people build their lives around harvest cycles, planting cycles, harvest parties, et cetera. Um, and all of that had to do with this relationship of this big piece of dirt circling around the cosmos. Mm -hmm. So to that effect, Yaro, you can make, and anyone out there can make own calendar of your own. Get some stones. Set an alert on your phone or before the sunrise on the, so it's going to be the spring equinox is the next, is the next rising. So set your alarm before that time, find a plot of land where you can see the horizon, put a stone where you want the middle to be, and then just wait for the sun to come up. Get behind that stone, hopefully, you know, with a friend or not, move that sucker around and line it up to the rising at the equinox. Next will be June 25th, which is the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, and the fall equinox and the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. I, I've done this in several places. Currently, I'm living in a development where I've got houses and fences. I can't do it. But anytime I live somewhere where I have a, a, a hilltop or a clear view, the first thing I do is make a stone calendar and locate myself in space time in order to try to be a benefit to my fellow humans, brothers and sisters space time and and with all that with all that space time we are out of time and we want to thank you all so much for tuning in today to high at nine news we are america's number one daily cannabis news show we want to thank thank you both uh yarrow and matthew for coming on today um you know spend spend some time with us and we want to thank you at home for all as well spending some time with us we want to wish everyone a very 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 merry christmas and hope that you are spending it with loved ones and spreading some holiday cheer remember we always support the crossfade for the winds but don't drink and drive stay high and fly that's right